0: It's not the same without fans in the building. We're trying to bring it. We're trying to bring that, uh, bring it for the fans, and we know that fans will bring the energy, and we know the impact that that will make on the team.
1: 401 all-purpose yards given up to running backs this season in two games. I, I think that fares well for, for Dalvin Cook this week. I- I'm expecting at least 200 all-purpose yards for Dalvin Cook. <laughs>
2: Welcome into the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode 112. We are so excited that football returns to U.S. Bank Stadium this weekend. Joined alongside Chris Corso, Jay Nelson, and Gabe Henderson, I'm Tatum Everett. And I I know that we're looking forward to Sunday, so excited about what's going on. But we've also turned the page because literally four points separate us from being two and oh instead of oh and two and it stings but it might come back to bite us but you know this is a brand new week guys
1: brand new week um
2: i'm feeling the freshness are you feeling it it's yeah. a little colder outside
1: yes yeah, it's, it's fall it's refreshing. So, it, so i feel like football Last season day of just started Summer
3: is over yeah.
1: yeah is that is that september 22nd
3: I today was, is
2: the first day wow. of fall
3: i think it was yesterday yeah exactly or yesterday yeah
1: well i mean i was walking my dog yesterday i know we always talk dogs on this show, and, um I had a t shirt on and some shorts and I didn't know how cold it was. And I walked out and I was like, Okay, I need to go inside. I need yep. to change my closet, change my wardrobe, start figuring this thing out because I probably won't see sidewalks again after the month of October until <laughs> about April. So it's it's getting that time of the year where where the weather is dropping, but it is football season for sure.
2: Yeah, winter is coming.
1: That's a famous thing around
4: here at this point. You know, like Gabe said, after I kind of do the after October's over, all bets are off at this point. Now, the question for you, Gabe, is you won't see sidewalks because you won't go outside or it's going to be snow covered?
1: Well, I won't go outside after uh, October 15th because last October 15th, uh, we got about two inches of snow. So I don't go outside after that, after (laughs) I see that kind of snow. And then, I mean, what, November, it'll be snow on the sidewalks for the, I guess what, until April? Potentially. So, yeah, we, both, both to answer your question. I mean, it
4: all depends. You know, we've got some years where you don't see a flake of snow until almost Christmas. And then there's other years where, you know, it basically you're trick-or-treating and you're stomping through the snow. So you just never know.
1: Well, thank God we have an indoor, pra- indoor practice and um, game stadium. So fans That's- won't have to worry about that on Sunday.
2: And we're home. We're home for the next three games.
1: <sighs> yep. So yeah.
2: it's just going to be such a nice way to, to get us into this fall football mood. That's for sure. Um, and and I know, you know, last week we had a vent session because it was such a frustrating game. And I just kind of felt like I was living in Groundhog World again, Groundhog Day World, where I was just, again, down to the wire pretty emotionally invested, very upset, <laughs> heartbroken, you know, I could go on and on. Um so as a result, I figured we'd bring back the vent session again. Mm, I think we not all a bad need idea. it. Not, not a, a bad, bad idea. idea. You know, and we'll do it a little earlier this week so we get it out of the way and can start being more positive on Thursdays. Um so I, the rules for last time where you get like a minute, I need, you know, your final thoughts. We're going to put all of the negativity and the sadness away and, um, and make way for, you know, an exciting, exciting week. Because I mean, as, as tough as it is to be 0 and two, knowing the home opener is in a few days is just amazing. It really is. Corsa, what do you think?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we missed that home field advantage at U S bank stadium last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're going to hear about it a little bit from Vikings director of entertainment, Greg Bostrom, who joins the show. But when the fans are going and, you know, doing the skull chant and getting excited, it's such a big time advantage for this team. And the fact we're you know, we're on the road for two tough games to start the season, two offenses that have quite the, you know, array of playmakers on, on all sides uh, in the Bengals, and and then obviously we saw it in that game oh. against the freaking uh, against the Cardinals. I mean that was a shootout. I mean you yeah. don't see Mike Zimmer's team play in too many shootout games, and that's exactly uh, what just happened there in Glendale, Arizona. So I think that you know the Vikings fans going to be kind of on you guys, man. Yeah. Just do what you do. Do what you do. Great, like and uh, you're going to help out Coach Zimmer. It's going to be. I think the next three three games you'll see a different Vikings team.
1: That's what I'm That's what I'm hoping for sure. I mean, especially just from the, the raucous crowds that we faced the last two weeks, you, you would expect the guys just to get up for this game. It's mm-hmm. a lot of pe- players' first games with a fan. I mean, think of all the rookies last year, JJ, uh, Cam Dantzler, DJ Wanham. Like, they played home games, but they never played with the home crowd. So I think that weighs to our favor. And we are playing the Seattle Seahawks, and they're known for their 12th man. So I think the Purple Faithful have to show who the real 12th man is on Sunday if you remember in the audible too, when JJ was on the first time, that was one of the things he
4: cited was the fact that it was weird last year going mm-hmm. from being at LSU with hundred thousand people to going into an empty stadium. And sure. I think those guys walking into a building, the rookies from last year, the rookies this year, and even just the veterans, the juice that especially defensively that they pull off of that, seeing our guys when the fans are going crazy, yeah. asking for more, that kind of stuff is, is a difference maker. And so, like you said, as well, the the it'll be on the fans to really provide that extra spark and extra juice on Sunday.
1: Yeah.
2: I think they're up for the challenge. Yeah,
1: I, I do not want to hear JJ's heels hit the ground when he gritties after he touches. Like I, <laughs> I want to hear the fans scream. I don't want to hear can his heels. Hear hills. that from the press box? I, last yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah last year you could. It felt like it. <laughs> you could hear the microphones every every person's uh you know conversations in between plays. I don't want to hear that this year.
2: Yeah, no, I don't blame you at all. Well, you know, let's let's get to this vent sesh, and then we're gonna uh, invite in as Chris mentioned, we're going to invite in the Vikings director of entertainment, Greg Bostrom, to really get you primed and ready to go for the game on Sunday. And then after that, we'll end on our usual two things we're excited about. One thing we're nervous about just to get us really, really ready to go from the X's and O's side of things for the Seahawks game. Um, We got the fans covered with Greg. We got that with uh, uh, the X's and O's with us at the end. So let's just get, you know, our frustrations out because, you know, guys, as, as excited as we are and as positive as we are about sunday you know we are zero and two so <laughs> so gabe do you want to go first
1: i will take the honors okay i will take the honors
2: all right you guys i will count you down three two wow i went right into tv voice did you just yeah, hear that like, i went love it completely different on the <laughs> countdown wow too many mic checks all right. i love it three two one
1: So my biggest vent sesh is how we play in the second quarter. Um, We are the second worst second quarter defense in the NFL, averaging 15 and a half points in the second quarter. Of course, you know, the Bengals scored 14. They scored the last two drives heading to the half. And then this past weekend, the Cardinals scored 17 points going into the half. 10 of those points came in the last, well, 10 of those points came in 34 seconds. So if we buckle down, and we actually anchor and actually play big-time defense before the half, I think that changes the game. I think that changes the trajectory of the game because the last two games we've lost the, the coin toss uh, at the beginning of the game. So we know we're not getting the ball when we get out of the break. So let's play better defense. Let's have a good opening, a good closing, and finish the game strong.
2: You got three seconds. Three left. seconds.
1: I, I went over three seconds, so that's there, you made up last, last time. week. I, yeah, last week okay. I went over three seconds, so you know I'm. I'm I think
3: I'm, he's. I think he's getting good at this,
2: Tatum. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Jay is by far the best. Very concise.
2: Yeah. With your <laughs> that
3: was very good. There, I was setting me
4: up for failure yeah. on the next <laughs> one. <tournament.
3: laughs> I'm going up to the very buzzer. I'm using every second that I have on show. Now, <laughs> Make
2: the show. No, no. My vent sesh is that Gabe stole my vent sesh. I'm really? Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> no, my, I mean it was definitely <laughs> along the same lines. I'm pretty close to the
3: same thing. Yeah, I mean I
2: think that's just kind of where. When you yeah. think about like what I said a second ago, four points in the last two games is yeah. what you lost lose by. If you don't allow those points at the end of the second half yeah. uh, or first half, if you don't allow them to score on their first touchdown of the f- of the second half, mm-hmm. you're you're ahead by uh, double digits.
1: I mean, t- teams are what. Four or five, five of six against us on the last three drives of the second half. I mean, the last two drives, last three drives, like I said, against Arizona, Mm -hmm. field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Last three drives against Cincinnati, punt, touchdown, touchdown. So,
2: yeah. It, we we got to get better. And Xavier Woods pointed that out this week that, um, I mean, he really didn't sugarcoat it. He said they sucked. <laughs> he said we, we suck at the end of the second quarter. And if we tighten it up, at like you said, Gabe, and start communicating more, everyone does their job and don't have that lapse in performance, you know, that's that's something that I'm actually excited to see or hopefully see, um, you know, on Sunday. So Love it. Uh, Yeah, well, good one. I like that fence. Nice job, Gabe.
1: Save three seconds, Jay. You got an extra three.
2: Ooh, that was very generous. I don't think that's how this works. (laughs) 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 All right, Jay, I'll count you down. You ready? All righty. Three, two, one.
4: Uh, Piggybacking off what you just talked about there, Gabe, the biggest thing for me was the fact that you had under a minute left, gave up giant chunks of the field, We all know what uh, Prater has done in his past to us with the Lions. Hits a 62-yarder. You're just like, man, it's a 62-yarder. You just have to tip tip your cap to him. Mm -hmm. But the bigger part for me is the fact that we always talk about this being a game of, of just super thin margins. Like you said, we've lost by a grand total of four points in two games. The fact that it's come down to like one, two, or three minor slash we think they're minor turn into major plays. In every single game, that is the margin of victory or the margin of defeat. For us being at home, like we just talked about, I hope a little bit of juice is going to help us in those moments to help provide that extra spark to keep the intensity. And I'm really hoping that come this weekend, we're walking out of U.S. Bank Stadium with a victory because we buttoned up all those little things after the first game. We got rid of the penalties the second game. We stop at the mistakes, so.
1: Oh,
2: look at him! Wow.
1: At
4: if I hadn't, added, if I hadn't added in the sew, I would have hit it on the nose. Oh, oh, that
2: was perfect. So very nice, <laughs> very nice. Yeah, it just it feels like I, I think that we're not well, and maybe it's just because it's an O and two start, but there really needs to be more credit given to the turnaround from week one to week two. Mm. I,
4: and I think part of that too was if you look at even just the way. Not only the players handled it, Coach Zimmer handled it, especially publicly, but even internally. You missed the kick at the end of the game, and then you had Adam Thielen walking up to Greg Joseph and say, listen, I fumbled before, and had it be the difference in a game as well, this does not define you. And I yeah. think that's the biggest thing is is you – I think having a more veteran locker room this year as well, it helps to reduce the the finger-pointing and the blame game that's going on. Fans – There's the emotional side to this thing, and I get that. At the same point, those guys in that locker room are the ones that have another 15 games left in this season, and you cannot have that locker room start to fall apart and point fingers and stuff like that. It just means that these guys have to galvanize together, and I think the veteran presence know, yes, it's 0-2. Yes, you've dug yourself a hole, but you still have 15 games to fix this, and playoffs and everything are still within your reach.
2: Well, and you're not – by not blaming each other, it, it it keeps the positivity in there, like you said. I mean, you can't have psych you can't psych out your kicker. Now I know yeah. we had them on the podcast last wow. week, and they seem like very like big professionals. They're very they know it's seventy five percent mental. They know that they have to have their head straight for moments like that. And yeah, would you want Greg Joseph to? To make a 37-yarder and expect him to? Of course. But you can't go all, you know, uh, negative on him and for the next time he has to step up and do this. And, and that's happened before. And I feel like Mike Zimmer's learned from his mistakes of how he's handled kicking situations. Because in the past, I, I think he's probably been a little bit more, you know... Um, Frontal or, and vocal. Yes, in the media. Very much like... On the front of it, just blaming the kicker and saying and being negative about it, and I, he's taken a different approach
1: because I think he knows we have a special team. When you know you have a special team, you don't want to harp over a, a missed a missed uh, a mental error like that this early on in the season. Like Jay said, with these veterans and you know adding that mental toughness to the group, that, that's not something that you 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 lose your mind about right now. It's like, hey, we know we should have won that game. It shouldn't have came down to that field goal. We know we should have beat that team. So. Let's let's not vent too much about this.
2: Oh, Corso! I'm ready. That sigh you had makes me feel like you're ready, <laughs> primed to go. Cor- Corso. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna ask you a question. I'm just gonna press the button. Corso, well, don't do
4: go it. scorched earth.
2: <laughs> All right, Corso, three, two, one.
3: Since Gabe went with the second quarter, I'm gonna put a little different spin on mine. Mine's the big play right before half. Looking at both games, you have the same exact situation with a 50-yard touchdown to Jamar Chase just breaking through the Vikings secondary, a touchdown that shouldn't have happened in that moment and completely changes the momentum of the game. Same thing happened with Rondell Moore, 77-yard touchdown in a shootout in a game that it seemed like we were starting to get momentum there, and then it just completely changes into halftime. Those kind of things are deflating for a team, and it's something that I was lucky enough to be sitting in the TCL radio studios and hear Pete Bursich just breaking down the play with Gabe Henderson right here and uh, just hearing him just – like talk about that. It was just one little mental error that just completely changes the game. Those things should not be happening in a Mike Zimmer defense and I want to see them completely end. Hopefully I'm right on time right there.
2: Three seconds.
3: Mm. I, I want it to be over. No more big touchdowns. Speaking no of No more big touchdowns. No
2: more big touchdowns. <laughs> to rookies
3: especially. Yeah. Preach. Yeah.
2: Electrifying rookies. You're right, and it's funny because I feel like a lot of the the coverage was was solid, especially you know keeping DeAndre Hopkins in half in check after the first quarter. Yes, Uh, you know those kind of big mental plays. You're right; they swing the momentum, and it would be great to to not see those. I mean, I think you kind of have to expect at least one or two against our secondary in this case, but you can't let them define the the yes. ter- the, the, the momentum, way the game goes the swing.
3: exactly i mean young quarterbacks sure. getting confidence in both situations mm. i just think those two plays uh you could blame the kick you could blame here and there the penalties obviously the penalties but big plays win games and that's what happened in both of these two first
4: games
2: all right i'll i will go three,
4: two. One.
2: So I, I know we've been harping on the secondary, and I know it stinks when they have those big plays. I don't like the way they, they played in the end of the second quarter, beginning of the third quarter either, but I need the offense to make it on third down. There was just nothing more frustrating than sitting up on, uh, in the fourth quarter I'm sitting at the post game live desk and I'm updating stats, and I'm like, are we really this bad on third down? As much as it was great to see the offense play so much better and the offensive line protects so much better. I need to see more sustainable drives. I need to see going the distance because if you're going to play in these barn burner games, you're going to need to sustain drives. You can't be three of two of 10, excuse me, on third down. Now I will give the defense credit. They only allowed three of nine. Yeah. third down so it wasn't a game where we saw a lot of sustainable drives it was very much like the big play here i go ebb and flow but like i need to see more third down conversions um i know i'm asking a lot because it was a quick turnaround from week one to week two and i'm done wow but i need finish, to finish finish you got six but I seconds to, i need to i need to see more third down conversions because i want to see this offense just Flourish. I mean, be who they are. I don't. I don't feel like they've. Like, I feel like they hit this. Like, scratched the surface this week, but they haven't dove deep just yet.
4: Yeah. Go ahead. I think, uh, given the fact that you're talking about third downs, one of the stats that jumped out to me, especially at the end of that game, was if you look at weeks one and weeks two combined. They are 8-for-26 on third mm. down. 30%.
1: 8-for-26. Mm. Second worst third down conversion team in the NFL. So
4: that's the thing is we talk about each week, you know, what's something that could be improved upon. For me, it's it, the offense was finally clicking last week. We hit some big plays. We hit some big touchdowns. But now you need to be able to do the thing that coach wants to do and we love to do, which is sustain drives, eat up the clock, score, and don't give them enough time and wiggle room to try to catch up. And, and I think that's where – Corso's big play comes in where it just makes up for all the good momentum that you've got. For us, I think, for for me this week, I want to see them be able to have multiple third down Conversions and and sustain those kind of drives yeah. to just eat up the clock.
2: You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of how bad of a cook I am because I see a recipe. Thirty <laughs> percent. Yeah, basically, you should. Yes, you should definitely. Yes, that's the true answer. Um, but if if you think about like we've got this recipe and we are going to make this feast and we're ready to go and it's all on the paper and you try and you put it together and like I do and I and I give it my all and it's just not there. It just doesn't look like the picture it doesn't taste like the picture well not that you can taste the picture but it doesn't taste like what you think the picture t- should taste like and i think we're almost there yeah I, I really that's that's just i feel like we're right on the cusp of it it's just like you know we just
1: got to add some extra seasoning uh to, well, that, to that dish. Or if it's not seasoning, you gotta cook it a little bit longer. It, it, because it, speaking of cook, yeah. Dalvin Cook okay, I was, was about mean, to say let's get look the look chef in the kitchen. I know, the I I kind of set
2: that game. up, but I, I wasn't on purpose. I Gosh, was really thinking game. about how bad of a cook I am, but like <laughs> you could get better with time, right? Yeah,
1: we can I mean it it Just only has to. number
3: thirty three chef in there and help you out a but, little bit. But I mean
1: that goes into getting yourself in situations like that, pushing yourself on third down, emphasizing third down in practice, having literally two or three periods, hey, this is is what we're working on today or like for you when you're cooking hey you know th- that that cereal i put a little bit too much milk in there maybe this time i can take some milk out or you know i don't want to
2: okay i can make cereal game
1: i don't want to downplay your <laughs> cooking here I,
2: <laughs> I can make cereal <laughs> but just
1: i mean just simple things of just getting back in the kitchen Going back to the drawing board and, and chefing it up and understanding that we could we can get we can be better in those situations, you know. And then I guess just looking at your customers and seeing their face. And if they're pleased this time, hey, we we did a better job. And if fans are pleased in what we did on third down this week, we did a better job as we can go from there.
4: Every good chef has very good uh mise en place, mm. where it's basically doing all of the prep work in order to get ready for cooking. Yeah. And then it goes by not only experience, but it goes by time and feel. And I think as we've we we may have put out a couple of uh, stinkers here, the first two, and we may have, you know, burnt the scallops in the first two, two editions here. But <laughs> for me, I'm looking for Seahawks because they taste like chicken. And so mm. let's uh, let's do what we need to do here in practice this week. Take care of your mise en place and then be able to go out. Way and cook to bring it
2: full circle. Producer Jay Nelson,
1: oven-roasted seahawk. Someone used to work in the kitchen for a little bit.
2: Yeah, I can tell because I don't know what mise en place is. I'm sorry, I never heard of it. Do you know
1: what it means in yeah. English? Everything
4: in its place. To put oh. in. To put in place. Yes. Yeah. Yep.
2: yep. Yeah. But, you know, we do want to see the fans cooking up a big atmosphere on Sunday because as much as we're venting, because I feel like we had a couple of extra vent sessions this week. But as much as we are venting, we've got a big opportunity on Sunday with a home opener against a Seahawks team that showed a lot of weakness last week. I feel like there are some good uh, matchups and advantages we can take or matchups we can take advantage of. We'll get to that in just a second, but first we're going to get you fans ready for the big home opener because there's a lot of new stuff coming your way. And we'll hear it all from the Vikings Director of Entertainment, Greg Bostrom. It'll be 637 days since U.S. Bank Stadium was packed with the Purple Faithful. Fans are making their long-awaited return on Sunday afternoon, making sure that they have a good time Is Vikings Director of Entertainment, Greg Bostrom, our podcast guest this week. Greg, how are you? And I mean, I'm sure you're like a kid on Christmas Day.
0: Yeah, we've been excited for this day. Like you said, 637 days since we had fans. That just seems absolutely insane, but... Uh, finally the home openers around the corner. And can I just say I am so honored to be your guest today, guys, If everyone you could have chosen. So um, I'm excited to be on. You're kind of a big deal, Greg, just a little bit. I, I don't know if I would say that. I like to think of myself a little bit more of the Wizard of Oz behind the curtains, and uh, certainly the credit belongs to everyone on the team doing all the hard work. But um, it's a lot of fun, especially when we, when we look at game days and the, the 10 home games at U.S. Bank Stadium are some of my favorite days of the year every year.
1: Yeah, it's like Christmas came early, but I guess three weeks late in the, in this case, we had two away games. Well, three away games if you count the Chiefs' last preseason game. So it's it's long overdue that we finally have fans back. And I know there's a lot going on. I know we've had, I mean, with VN, like eight or nine shoots getting ready for, uh, I guess, this upcoming Sunday. So any, any teasers that you can give fans for what to expect uh, this upcoming Sunday?
0: Yeah, well, like you said, we've been working hard. This extra opening at home on week three has actually been a huge blessing for our team to give us a little extra time to tie it all together. But we've just been treating this day as a historic moment for the franchise. It's not the same without fans in the building. This is a really important moment. We're treating it like a grand reopening of the building and we're trying to give it that big game feel that you would have uh, if you came to a playoff game or any other big game in the stadium's history. So we've been really focused on giving the fans a great experience when they do come back Um, a couple elements in there. I'd love to to chat through, but I think the the key takeaway is uh, we're trying to bring it. We're trying to bring that, uh, bring it for the fans. And we know that fans will bring the energy and we know the impact that that that'll make on the team.
2: Yeah, there are some exciting, exciting things planned for Sunday. As someone who may be a little bit more privy to the knowledge as we are here, I I almost don't even want to tell people because it's like I don't want to spoil the surprises. But um, as far as what goes into creating the game atmosphere, what has it been like to make sure this really pops on Sunday?
0: yeah well i think we started with um trying to define the the guidelines of what we wanted to achieve and uh, what do the fans actually want if you go back you know we've, we've got a lot of good data and analytics and surveys from fans over the years and conversations and uh, that sense of camaraderie at the game is a huge part of people's experience that the traditions we have with this franchise i mean i, I feel so lucky to work for a 61 year uh, old franchise here with so many cool traditions and, and historical elements so we wanted to, to strengthen and amplify those traditions. Um, and we just wanted to make sure that when you're coming to a game, that is the best place to watch uh, the Vikings play. You know, the broadcast experience is really, really good. And we know not every fan can can come to every game. But when you do come to a game, uh, we want to make sure that is a lifelong memory and that it's the best place to watch the Vikings play.
3: Speaking of lifelong memories, I hear there's a big-time intro that you guys are preparing. Mm-hmm. So...
0: I know you don't want to tell us too much, Greg, but tell us a little bit about that. yeah, thanks Chris. Uh, so there's actually a lot of fans come to only one or two games every year we, you know we have a big season ticket member database, but you know a season ticket member might send their ticket to their brother or you know a friend or they sell a ticket here so there's um, in previous years we've had over five hundred thousand people attend at least one Vikings game, which wow. is kind of crazy when you think about it and one way that 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 influenced our thinking is the tradition of introing our team onto the field for a lot of people, they'll only see that one time. Maybe they'll see it twice. And um, we spent a lot of effort in that sequence. If you think about um, if you've ever, you know, you guys have been to the game. So the team comes out and does their warm ups about an hour prior to kick. That's a really fun experience. Then they go back in the locker room about 30 minutes prior to kickoff. And there's this, um, there's this moment where you're kind of waiting for them to take the field and for them to run out of that big, Beautiful dragon ship, and we've really focused a lot of our efforts there, and bringing bringing fans along for a journey there, building up the anticipation for that really big moment when the Vikings finally hit the field as a team, ready to play, um, and and we're just really excited to, to unveil it for, for fans. I mean, a, a couple elements I'll share from within that. For anybody who doesn't know, we entered into a partnership with the Minnesota Orchestra this year, and and they provided a custom score for this whole showtime sequence, uh, so legendary conductor osmo vanska in his final year with the minnesota orchestra after after a long run um they commissioned tommy barbarella of of local fame he was part of prince's new power generation and has done a a lot of cool stuff since then he he composed the custom score and the entire 100 plus person orchestra uh performed the music that our fans will hear as part of this introduction sequence um, that's a really cool element. We've been grateful to the orchestra for their partnership and excited for fans to see it.
2: So you're that, saying it's going to be theatrical and dramatic.
0: Yeah, it's a show. <laughs> you know, it's a show. People the, At the end of the day, people come to the game yeah. and cheer on the fans, but it's entertainment, right? So we want, yeah. we want to entertain them. And um, we, we think that fans will come along for the ride. I guess our only plea would be make sure you get in your seats at least you know, 30, 20 minutes prior to kickoff so you can see it all. Yeah, um, yeah it's a show.
1: Yeah, I've told – I have some family coming in town, and I told them the game starts at 325. Make sure you're there by 215 so you don't miss out.
0: That's it. That's it. But
1: but talk about, you know, orchestra. Like you're you're stringing me along now. So just speaking of stringing (laughs) fans along with that, I know – with
3: a little quips, so I love it. I, like I it. mean, there,
1: there's love so it. much that goes into it. I mean, if you if you just type in "best NFL game day experience" on Google right now, and if you click on any article, Vikings are you know at least number one, number two. They're they're within the top five on every article. And I know a lot of hard work goes into that. So the the time and effort uh, spent putting into game day, like how many hours or how much work is involved in, in putting all of that together.
0: Oh man, I mean, it's a lot. Um, Jay would know Jay's a big part of it. He's in, he's in all these meetings. So he's, you know, when he's not producing these wonderful podcasts, he's a big part of our game days. But, um, you know, we just, we know it's a responsibility a you know, it's one of those like great power, great responsibility things. I, I grew up a Vikings fan. I, I started loving the team when I was 10 years old and Randy Moss was breaking every record in the world. And, um, so I know how much this means to people because it means that much to me too. So to have the chance to, to kind of uh, guide their game day experience. I know I feel great responsibility there. The team feels great responsibility there. And uh, we really put as much as as we can into it. But uh, when we're talking about what it takes to pull off a game day, I'd remiss not to mention a few names here. Uh, Darius Smith, who's in charge of our entertainment and My program, guy. And Arthur, uh, yeah, that, every, everybody's guy. He's a man. Um, <laughs> Arthur Koo, video and, and graphics, Jesse Marquette and Alan Wertheimer and Ryan uh, McCarthy on the tech side. Jay, the aforementioned wonderful Jay Nelson and Lee Berg on the, on the uh, graphics side. So um, that whole team there has been putting in long hours for weeks and months on end to, to prepare for the stand. We're excited.
2: And I know that you spoke just a second ago about being a longtime Vikings fan. And there have been plenty of traditions that you've been a part of over the years. But there's one that you guys are trying to get going this year. And I think it's pretty special.
0: Yeah. Uh, so to your point, 2016, the first game was that, that was the first time we ever did the skull chant. And it's, it seems crazy that it's only been around that long because it's such a part of our lifeblood now. You know, the Gallahorn, uh preceded that by not too many years. It started in the Metrodome. Um we're calling back a story from the 60s here, which I think is so mm-hmm. cool. Some of our fans will have heard it. Um, everybody knows the Purple People Eaters, right? The most vaunted D-line in history, if you ask me. Um, Jim Marshall at DN, Carl Eller at DN, Alan Page at D-tackle. So they used to play in the Met Stadium, uh, which was freezing cold, right? It's an outdoor stadium in mm-hmm. Minnesota. And they would tell a story that when the sun drops in that stadium, it went from cold to, like, another planet. You know, it dropped 10 degrees, the snow comes whipping through, it's windy. And after playing there a number of years, all our guys knew that was about to happen. But the opponents didn't know it was about to happen. So right before it was about to drop 10 degrees, they would stand at the, at the O-line and start chanting, Odin, Odin. <laughs> and Odin, Odin is the Viking God of war, if you didn't know. So they're, they're calling out to the Viking God of war basically. And then a few minutes later, it's like a new entity has entered the field. It's freezing cold, It starts snowing. And it's the, the quote from Jim I love is the opponent's like, what matter of men are these? These guys are crazy. <laughs> um, so we just think that's such a cool story. We had a chance to, to talk to Jim about it and Carl and Alan Page and, Paige and Paul Krauss and some others, and um, we'll be kind of retelling that story as part of the Showtime sequence. Uh, love the ability to, to touch back on our franchise history and, and honestly love that that franchise history touches back on actual Viking history uh, with sort of the, the Norse mythology. So.
1: Um, I look at, you know, Greg, I look at things in threes and I look at Sunday as, you know, once the game starts, it's the player's job to deliver a good performance for Corso, Jay Tatum and I, our job is to get fans in the seats or at least get them to the game. So that's the second phase of, you know, of what we do here with the Vikings. I feel like for you, once they get in the seats, it's you guys' job to entertain them until the players get out there. So, you know, how much pride and passion do you have behind, you know, the element of what you guys do?
0: So much, uh, so much pride and passion. You know, the the football side has been really supportive of us at every step, the ownership, the Will family has been really supportive. They understand the impact we can make. Um, At the end of the day, and I'm sure everyone in my position would say this, but it's actually true for me. Like, we have the best fans in the NFL, Mm. Um, we could probably do our jobs poorly and it would still make the, the building the best. But he doesn't don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. He doesn't. <laughs> um, but, but it's uh, yeah, just to be able to give that fans that experience. I mean, they want to provide a home field advantage for the team. They know the impact they're making. So just to be able to support them and kind of, you know, help rally the troops w- when needed, you know, big defensive stop, give them something to cheer about. Um, it, it's a big source of pride. And especially after being in the building last year with no fans, you can't put into words how much the fans were missed. You cannot put into words. Um, You could, you could look across the NFL and for the first time ever, I think there was no home field advantage that road team won just as many times as the home team won. Yeah. Um, So that's a tangible stat you can look at and say home field advantage matters. And we didn't have it last year so.
1: Yeah, Tatum and I, this is our both of our first home game as a Vikings employee. So we're, we're pumped. We are pumped. extremely pumped. Tell them about the Skull Chant, Greg,
3: while you're here, because <laughs> I know that's a basic yeah. thing for a lot of the Vikings fans listening, but we have two people in this uh, TCO radio studio that have never heard a full Skull Chant
1: at US Bank State. No,
2: and honestly, I just learned something new. I didn't realize it was a fairly new thing. Yeah. I, that 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 does actually blow my mind. They went, to, you guys went, they
1: went to like yeah. Iceland, right, and like adopted it? We got it approved by yeah.
3: the Iceland soccer team, um, yeah. who pretty much... Had the original school chant. They That's didn't call bad. it that, but yeah. it was That's just bad. so amazing, like and and led by Brian Harper, the the head of VEN here, and and guys like Greg, and yeah. you know all the content videographers we have. we were, they they were able to pull something together yeah. that. Concluded with uh, the mountain from Game of Thrones. Talk about tapping in. Coming and smashing a a Green Bay Packers helmet on a video (laughs) at US Bank Stadium. And introducing, yeah, he introduced the Skull Chant.
0: And Greg, why don't
3: you give a little background about that?
0: Yeah, that one was really cool. I I joined the team in May 2016. You know, we opened the building and um, we, we had a ribbon cutting in July 2016. So it was like straight into the deep end. I... I came from the music festival world. I used to produce music festivals. So like I was in the entertainment space, but honestly, Game Prez was brand new to me. And uh, right away, I got to work on some really fun projects. That Fire Breathing Dragon that we talked about was mm. one of the first projects I got to work on.
2: Darn Artist, Titans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were there, right? Well, we yeah, I was there. That, I was on dude. the field. It was awful. Oh, uh, Sorry
0: yeah, I mean, no, <laughs> yeah what we're on that I gotta tell the fans that are listening here we do not get to shoot fire from the field. It's the n f l policy it remains in place, so we're very sad about that, but it's not our choice. Wow, wow, wow. Shooting that fireball if we could yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but back to moresha except school chant so yeah, it was it was right around that time Iceland, the national uh soccer team had beaten England, which I, I mean uh, full disclosure, I'm not a huge soccer guy, but apparently that's like equivalent to a triple a baseball team beating corso's yankees or something (laughs) Um, and so like they had this giant town square gathering and they did this viking war clap and it was the first time the world had kind of seen it go viral and uh you know as brian harper our boss tells the story he had a you know a dozen people email him and say viking war clap you guys got to do this so um, it was perfect timing to sort of pick it up and run. Um, my predecessor in this role, Brett Tabor, is a legend. Uh, he's, he's now heads up our foundation, but he kind of led the efforts to to get in touch with um, with the people on the Iceland national team. Aaron Gunnarsson, their uh, or Gunnarsson, their captain, and, and Thor Bjornsson, the mountain, as Corso mentioned, and. Um, really made it something authentic where we said we love this chant. We don't want to steal it. We want to make. We want to extend it to the bro- you know your brothers in Minnesota sort of thing. Um, and they leaned into that. And, um, it, you know, the rest is sort of history over time. It it just got better and better, and now it's kind of ingrained in what we do. I think
1: that's awesome.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we can stress enough in this conversation just how much, how important it is for fans to get there early. I mean, if you think getting there early on your normal time is right. I'd give yourself an extra hour because you've got between traffic and, and people and the kickoff concert, we've have Dustin Lynch playing, um, out the common area. I mean, it's just going to be a whole day. I'd say, I'd say get there really early just so that you don't miss anything. I mean, this is going to be epic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the the kickoff rally out in the commons. That's a good excuse to get there early. Um, (laughs) Like you said, Dustin Lynch headlining. I mean, just one of the great names in in country music. I'm I'm sure most of the people listening, if you type him into your Spotify, you've heard a couple of his songs. He'll go on stage at one, but that that party starts as early as 10 a.m. So come out, you know, have a beer or two if you so desire. Listen to some great music headlined by Dustin Lynch and then head on inside and get ready for showtime. And it's free, by the way, it's free. You don't even need a game mm. ticket to
1: go. I'm, I'm glad you added that. I feel like the, uh, yeah. the beer is always tastes better when it's free, right? That's right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then also it's the return of split the pot from what I hear. That's something I haven't seen before, but uh, Greg, I mean, that's kind of something I think fans love to do when they get to the stadium. A hundred
0: percent. I mean, I think, um, you know, mentioned Brett Tabor and the foundation, his team's been working on bringing this to the, to us bank stadium for years. And we, we finally got it. And, uh, For people that aren't aware, you buy a raffle ticket, half of it goes to charity and the the wonderful things that the Minnesota Vikings Foundation supports and the other half goes to a winner, you know. So I don't know how high the pot will get, but some of these places, the winner takes home 40,000 bucks or something. So uh, that could be a little side action for your game day.
1: Greg, um, I feel like we're we're talking about what we're most looking forward to. But being on the Game Press team, leading this team, like, what are you most looking forward to?
0: As basic as it is, just having the roar of the crowd again. It's um, it's such a visceral thing for when you're standing there in the building and and you feel the crowd reacting to what's going on. And um, uh, you know, for the people that work on Game Press, that's what we that's what we live for. The other three hundred and fifty five days a year when there's not a home game. Is, is that roar of the crowd. And um, so I'm just excited for that. I think this whole Showtime sequence that the team I mentioned before has brought a lot of that project in house. Um, you know, most teams will hire out a third party production company to do this stuff. Uh, not, not the case for our team really leaned into it, mm. um, built something that's specific to our team, specific to our fans has meaning to the community. We think so. Um, I'm really excited for, for that to debut. And I'm really excited because I know the team's going to get a win this week. I just-
2: <laughs> Heck yes. Yes. And I think that will definitely get them amped up and ready to play the Seahawks on Sunday. So a big thank you to Vikings Director of Entertainment, Greg Brostrom, for joining us. And Greg, honestly, thank you so much from a fan's perspective for putting in all the blood, sweat and tears to making this a really special moment for the fans and, and kind of getting us all prepped up and ready to go for Sunday.
0: My pleasure. And thanks so much for, for having me on on behalf of the whole team. Um, and fans, we can't wait to see you on Sunday. Thank you, Greg. Thank you,
2: Greg. Thanks, Greg. Have see a good day. See you. Well, I know we are all excited to return to U.S. Bank Stadium. And while we're at it, let's go around the table and do two things we're excited about. One thing we're nervous about. I will say, though, off-limits, you can't say you're excited that football's back. You can't say you're excited to see fans. Off-limits.
3: Greg did that already.
2: Exactly. (laughs) So, I want to get more into the actual game itself. So, Corso, why don't you take the lead this time? And uh, two things you're excited about, and one thing that makes you nervous.
3: I'm excited to to see Justin Jefferson do the gritty into the end zone. Mm. That's what I'm excited about. I think we've missed... That electrifying play from Justin Jefferson. We had one in Week One where he kind of we thought he had a touchdown, but it wasn't. I want to see him, you know, break a deep ball from Kirk Cousins and and do his little gritty easily into the end zone. Um, the second thing I'm excited about is to see the defensive line and how they react to the fans. Um, I think the Vikings defense has just been so much better at home. We've played Russell Wilson so many times in this Mike Zimmer tenure. A lot of times it's been in Seattle. This time it's here. Finally it's here. I believe the last time they came to Minnesota was at that terrible game. Uh, with the Blair Walsh missed kick, that was the end of my first season with the Vikings. Ooh. Not a great first uh, impression, <laughs> that's for sure. But I, I just since then, I've just wanted to beat this team every single time we play them. It's always been on Monday night in Seattle, and I'm so happy it's here at U.S. Bank Stadium. Last thing I am worried and stre- not excited about <laughs> i heard the word stressed, stressed almost about <laughs> is Russell Wilson. I mean, he just has our number. It, it, I know Mike Zimmer has some of the best numbers um, as a defensive coach against Russell Wilson. Like if you go back and actually look at the stats, but he's found a way to win a lot of these games. And it's really, you know, mobile quarterbacks against Mike Zimmer. It's just something that that I hate and I want to see Anthony Barr hopefully get back. That would be a big time help mm-hmm. um, for that whole situation. Of course,
4: Russell Wilson is 7-0 and against the Vikings in his say. career. Mm-hmm. I think I know my stuff. That's it. I mean, he's seven and zero, and like you said, the last time he was here,
3: nine six was... wins, 10-9 <laughs> wins. Like, I don't even know if those are the exact numbers, but that's what they felt like.
4: Jim. Yeah, the last time, <laughs> the last home game was ten to nine in that 2015 playoff game, mm. and that's the thing that people always go nuts about Seattle is why are we always playing in Seattle?
0: Yeah.
4: Now again, you get some home cooking, and uh, you know, hopefully, this will be a difference maker again. Like we've talked about with the fans having their juice in the in the building, hopefully, it will help us get over that hump.
3: Why do we always beat the Saints and not the Seahawks? They're both very good teams and we found a way to beat the Saints. I think
2: you hit the head the nail on the head with the mobile quarterback. Yeah, You're not that, gonna get that out of that you know, Drew Brees, Brees and yeah. the agree. pocket like that. It's it's the mobility of it all that Mike Zimmer although I will say like how promising that looks. I'll save this for mine, but how promising <laughs> that looks for um after watching the You know, I know Kyler was able to do some Kyler Murray things, but, you know, the defense kept him in check for the most part Um Two besides the big plays. I yeah. mean, you really can't ask him to do more than that. And so I think they're although I know Russell and Kyler are very different in the way that they play, but they still have that mobility factor. And so I think that was a good primer to get the defense ready to go to finally beat Russell Wilson.
0: Mm.
4: Yes.
2: All right, Jay. Two things you're excited about. One thing you're nervous.
4: The first thing I'm going to say is actually I'm excited about, but I'm also minorly nervous about because we (laughs) still don't have a full answer. Uh, First thing I'm excited about is the prospects of the running game against the Seattle defense. Uh, Last week, everyone's seen the stat: King Henry ran for 183 yards. He he had uh, 147 in the second half and three touchdowns. That's very Adrian Peterson like when he used to be here. Um, But the fact that Derrick Henry not only had 182 yards rushing, but combined he had 237 yards on the game. So that sounds absolutely stoked for a guy like Delvin Cook to have a monster game now. We all know Seattle keyed off of him last time we played him. We all know every team is going to key off of him because as he goes, our offense seems to go. Mm-hmm. But if uh, fully healthy or at least close to healthy Delvin is going to be on that field, I think his prospects for this week are, are really, really good. Secondly, This Seattle secondary is also very vulnerable. Tannehill last week had 347 yards passing, including six receptions for 128 to Julio Jones. There were nine different receivers that had a reception in that game. And that just means that if our guys are looking to try and pick it up, we've had KJ Osborne the last couple games really stepping up. Corso, you cited Justin Jefferson. I think if JJ can get going, too. It's not only those guys, but you can see tight ends and everybody across the board be able to to have a shot downfield. Now, what am I worried about or mm-hmm. what makes me nervous? Bobby Wagner. Hmm. Bobby Wagner had not only a career high, but a franchise high, 20 tackles last week in that game, breaking his own record of 19 from <laughs> from a couple years ago. Yep. Bobby Wagner, there's a reason why uh, he is the lifeblood of that defense. And I think... Given some of the issues that we had, yes, we we did better on protection. Yes, downfield, our, some of our guys were getting open. But Bobby Wagner is a guy that's used like Eric Hendricks, like Anthony Barr. He can spy. He can get all over that field. He can also cover. Bobby Wagner is my guy. That's the X factor that the offense is going to have to pay attention to.
2: Yeah, Bobby Wagner is a bad man. Mm. Bad, mm-hmm. bad man. Um, no, I I like all your points. I think that the with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill popping off, it does kind of mirror this offense to a certain extent, and I do think that could be a huge benefit to watch that tape and hopefully emulate that. But I mean, but in that regard, you're gonna need this. You're, you're gonna need the Seahawks to to put it bluntly, have a minor meltdown in the second half because they were up 15 at halftime. And obviously they made the right, the Titans made the right adjustments to kind of have their number. So you're going to have to be able to adjust on the fly just in case they, they feel like they have the blueprint for this team.
4: And even then it came down to an overtime field goal to make mm-hmm. that happen. True. They were 52 and 0 going, uh, coming out of half with a 15 point lead. they were 52 and 0.
2: <laughs> oh, that's it? <laughs> going into that
4: game. And then the Cowboys were able to capitalize on that and make them choke it away in that game. And so I just think for them, they're seeing this as a lick their wounds type game as well, where they're oh, going to yeah. come into our house going, we shouldn't have lost that game. We should be 2-0, and they're they're going to be hungry for
1: blood.
2: Two things you're excited about and one thing you're nervous about.
1: Well, Jay, I feel like you were looking at my play call again. I know we. This I is feel the, like no. This is the running same joke page, now. Right? Like me and Jay, we have a running joke now where he's like, "I stole your thunder."
4: We literally <laughs> will text back and forth after I listen to something he said on another show, and was just like, "Man, I took your take on this thing." So, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now you're good, but Dalvin Cook is one thing I'm excited about. I think um, this is a, a big game for him. Last year, but I think he had 17 carries, 65 yards, uh, right before he got hurt, and he had um, I think five receptions for 24 yards. So he, he almost had. 100 yards in the first half before he got hurt, and we know Dalvin Cook or any good running back against the Seattle Seahawks defense, they pretty much have a day. Jay, you already talked about um, Derek Henry, what he did last week, but 401 all-purpose yards given up to running backs this season in two games. I I think that fares well for for Dalvin Cook this week. I'm expecting at least 200 all-purpose yards for Dalvin Cook. I think 150 is the start in the run game. I think you know Dalvin Cook is a more dynamic or at least more explosive running back than Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's more, you know, more strong. He can probably break more tackles, but I'm I'm a huge Dalvin Cook fan. I'm happy to have him on the team, and I think this is his breakout game, at least in my eyes. The second thing that I'm excited about is our defensive line. I think we will get to Russell Wilson uh, a numerous amount of times. Jay, I know you talked about how Russell Wilson and Corso, you said it too, he has our number. However, we have sacked Russell Wilson 11 times in those seven games that we've played him. Russell Wilson is the most sacked quarterback since 2012. He's been sacked 400 times exactly since 2012. And I think Daniil Hunter will have another day. I think Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson. I'm expecting Dalvin Tomlinson to get his first sack this week.
2: Michael Pierce is my sack machine.
1: Yeah. And he should <laughs> I be. I
2: thought you could say that. <laughs> and
1: he should be. And I mean, I think... They will get a lot of pressure on this Seattle Seahawks front, I guess, front five. I don't think their front five is as good as the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm expecting a big game there. It's just containing uh, Russell Wilson. But the one thing I am nervous about is Tyler Lockett. I know all the credit is going to DK Metcalf and, you know, his physical attributes. But Tyler Lockett, I mean, just his stats alone. Um, Last game, eight receptions, 178 yards. Week one, four receptions, 100 yards, two touchdowns. He's averaging 23 yards per catch in two games like that is outlandish second in receiving yards right right now in the NFL. I know that's not saying much. It's only week two, but the guy is getting open. He's getting better every year. Every single season. He's gotten better. He had a thousand receiving yards the last two seasons. And then in 2018, he had 900 receiving yards. So he's getting better every year. And I know he's expecting to have a big game against P2 and Bashar Breeland and maybe Cam Dantzler. So. I think those guys are up for the challenge. Luckily, uh, P2 has seen Tyler Lockett the past five or six years just being in the same division the past five or six years. So we'll see how that how that will bold against this Minnesota Vikings defense.
2: But I'm a little concerned. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, Tyler Lockett is the first in, is first in the league versus man coverage, which yeah. we know we wow. play a wow. lot
1: of. I can believe it.
2: Wow. Um, and so he's got a 98.5 Pro Football Focus grade. When it comes to man, he's so he shifty.
1: He, he's like, and you can't play press man against him because he's just going to run by you. And mm-hmm. then if you play off man, I mean, now, now you got to deal with him in space. So yeah,
2: he's going to be pesky
1: for me. Lockett is my puff my
4: chest out guy for when he came into the NFL because I was a giant fan of his at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a great K-State guy. And when he originally came in, they're like, oh, this is going to be our punt returner. And then he started going crazy for him and he just worked his way into the offense more and more. I put him in all my dynasty leagues, all my fantasy teams nice. <laughs> as a rookie. But it was just one of those things that he over the years has evolved from not only being the shifty guy to being the home run hitter. Yeah. And then DK came in, all the accolades, rightfully so. But Lockett has been that steady guy that game to game, he might not have triple digits. Yeah. But like you were just talking about, if you leave him one on oh. one or you start getting into a track meet, he is going to burn you more than not, and he's going to make you pay.
1: And that's what teams have been doing. They have just been doubling DK Metcalf because they know how great of a receiver he is. So Tyler Lockett is one on one, and it's just like, man, we f- we forgot about this guy number sixteen that can stretch the field. And I mean, he had a what, an eighty-yard bomb last week. Yeah, and it was just a just a regular post route, caught the ball, split the defender, six points. Like, eight. I mean, the the guy can play. So we will definitely. We're not talking about
3: big plays anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, especially after last week, I'm expecting to see a lot of that, huh? I'm sure we'll see a lot of too high, too yeah. high show from this defense yep. this week.
2: Okay, guys. Well, I'm going to I'm going to dive right into what I'm excited about. I'm excited to see this offense go to work. Um after, I mean, what a glow up from week 1 to week 2 is just the best way I can put it. I just felt like everyone was more comfortable with each other. The line really stepped up. They're going to have to do that again this week. And you touched on it a little bit about uh, all of you kind of did about about being able to move against the Seattle defense. Uh, last season, they were on pace to set an NFL record for most yards allowed in the first half of the year. Um, they've never, and during that stretch, they never allowed more than 522 yards of offense, which obviously seems insane, but they did allow the, the Titans 532. So You know, they kind of have this Jekyll and Hyde of who's going to show up that day. So I really hope they can get in there, make some third down conversions, and just, you know, enforce their will on the Seattle defense early in this game with the help of the fan energy. Um, The other thing I'm excited about, and, and go with me on this one, I am excited to see Greg Joseph's response to this past week because... I think he won the press conference. I think Mike Zimmer is winning the situation as far as how to handle everything. And I think this will be the moment, whether you say that kick or that situation made or broke Greg Joseph. And I'm really excited to see him respond because I don't I i don't know what it's going to be like obviously none of us do but I want to I, I think we're going to see it in this game because it's we're going to he's going to have to get in there at some point well and I mean obviously like make all of his extra points but like we're going to see it and I'm really excited to see his response because I do think that a lot of a lot of the talk this week has been surrounding that um what I'm nervous about um, I know you said Tyler Lockett, and yes, I obviously am very nervous about Tyler Lockett. But I'm, I'm actually with the way that he's played the last two weeks. I'm a little more nervous about DK Metcalf because I feel like he's due for a big game, and I think that there will be more focus now, maybe a little bit more so on Lockett. So Metcalf um, is definitely a point of emphasis. The way that you they silenced DeAndre Hopkins in the first quarter after the first quarter. I think you can do that with lock it. I'm worried that it might be like a Rondell Moore situation where we'll see either Swaim or or DK kind of pop off because you've got, you know, one yeah. good man coverage guy on, on the guy that is so good against man coverage. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm nervous about. There's a lot of weapons out there, but if you're Points about seeing the defensive line step up, then I think that they could really help out the guys in the back. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, and those guys complement each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you coverage sacks or, you know, rush sacks or blitz sacks, I mean, the secondary and defensive line complement each other. Rightfully sure. so. But I, I'm with you with what you're nervous about. I do think DK is due for or for a big game, but Freddie Swain is the guy that, yes. that, that bothers me or concerns me too. Because you Five saw weeks-
2: how Rondell Moore.
1: Right. And Perform, he had, he yeah. had five receptions for 95 yards last week against the Tennessee Titans. So and that a touchdown. is and a touchdown. Oof. So so that's something that that not many people are talking mm-hmm. about and I'm sure he's licking his shot. Just being a slot receiver myself, I know how it feels when the two outside receivers get all the the praise and everybody's doubling them I'm like all right bet I'm about to have me a big game and then <laughs> yeah. by the time halftime hit some you know I got a buck 20 and they were like yo we, we didn't even game plan for this guy like why is this guy getting 120 receiving yards on us so yeah that that is Eric Kendrick's or Um, I guess Mackenzie Alexander, he's going to have his hands full this week like he did last week.
2: It's going to be a big game on Sunday, kickoff set for 325, but as you heard earlier in the podcast, get there early. There's going to be a lot of fun times, starting with the kickoff concert in the Commons, opens at 10 a.m., Dustin Lynch, 1 o'clock, and obviously the brand-new intro and all of the fun pregame festivities within U.S. Bank Stadium, beginning before kickoff. So make sure you get there early. And to get you ready for this week, guys, what's going on within and What's something that you think fans need to check out this week to get you ready? Corso, you want to go?
3: I'm going to start with the Audible, you know, just uh, producing this for, for VEN. I'm really excited. We got KJ Osborne joining Justin Jefferson nice. to mm. talk about his first career touchdown Sweet. last week. So. Um, I'm really excited about, you know, we'll have Gabe ask him some fun questions, <laughs> a little trivia action, maybe some know your teammates sort of thing. Ooh. So I'm uh, very excited for that show. So
1: be on the lookout. Gabe? Um, Viking Circle is back this week. Nice. And we have Patrick Peterson. And Oh, wow. We intentionally did it this way because we knew everybody was going to get him last week because mm-hmm. it's going back to Arizona. But people kind of overlooked the fact that that he played the Seahawks 13, 14 times in his career. So he knows the Seahawks better than he knows his own team. So Mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk, you know, just his time in Arizona last week. I know he kind of downplayed it to the media. So I'm going to try to pull some strings, like I told Greg Bostrom earlier. So pull some strings, pull it out of him a little bit and have some fun. So be on the lookout for that. I know he does not like the Seahawks at all. So good conversation. Be on the lookout for that.
2: And of course, we'll have opposing viewpoints this week with Seahawks writer John Boyle. It should be fun for all. Eric Smith will be providing our perspective on those opposing viewpoints. That'll be on Thursday. And of course, after the game this week, we have the Vikings post game live presented by Miller Light. And this week's guest, we've got Ron Johnson joining us as our analyst, so that should be a lot of fun. He'll get all that done before he heads to the, hit the phone lines for the fan line. So don't worry. Don't worry about Ron. He'll be on those fan lines. We're just going to borrow him for a little bit beforehand. So So you
1: hear Ron Sunday twice. You hear him after the game with you for Post Game Live. You hear him. You know, mm-hmm. K fan fan line, and then he's on Vikings Vantage this week, which will be on K fan on Friday.
2: Well, if you're a fan of Ron so, Johnson, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah,
3: a lot of Ron Johnson
1: this <laughs> make, week. A lot of Ron Johnson.
2: Sure, make sure you you yeah listen to everything, watch everything this week. I I know it's going to be such an amazing weekend. Something we'll all remember as the first time back for fans in U.S. Bank Stadium. In like I said at the beginning, in 637 days, I went and did the math. I know you guys are ready to see your Vikings team out there. And we're going to get a win this week. I am very confident. I am very optimistic. So for Greg Bosham, our guest today, Chris Corso, Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson, I'm Tatum Everett. Let's go Vikings. This is going to be a big week.
1: Let's (laughs) go.